climax. A great new hour-long dramatic series from Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, your host... Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. I'm Fat Hate. Today we're going to leave the movie theater for a change and visit 1950s television. Oh, baby. Uh, we... Managed to run across a, on YouTube of all places, because <laughs> YouTube has everything, the 1954 TV movie Casino Royale, which was produced for the amusingly named show Climax. I believe it's point. Climax! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of those shows that would not exist today. Uh, <laughs> no. Starring Barry Nelson as Jimmy Bond, the first person to ever play a version of James Bond on screen. Did you know anything about this going in? Other uh, than it existed? Other than it existed, um, that it was a TV movie, that uh, that it was the first instance of Bond, that Peter Lorre was in it. Yep. And that um, and that the Jerry Goldsmith did the music. That's mm-hmm. all I knew. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I that's... Pretty much all I knew, too. Um, my understanding, I think, was, and I'm not even sure if this is true or not, that it was filmed live. Some of it feels like it was filmed live, where I'm like, you, you really ought to take it, another yeah. take on that scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 1950s television was a different animal. Barry Nelson, in an interview for Entertainment Tonight in the 80s, uh-huh. said that he he got the role at the last minute because he was also he was working for CBS on another TV show called My Favorite Husband, and they <laughs> okay. like didn't they were having they they couldn't find someone to play Bond, so they just randomly they called him because they already had him on hand. Casino Royale, the novel, was only a couple years old, so like mm-hmm. James Bond was now a household name then. So like he had never even heard of it before he was on the. He was he did this, yep. and he said in the eighties though that he did the best he could, but considers himself to be double O one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he fits right in with some of the nineteen sixty seven James Bonds. <laughs> yes, James's um, Bond. James's Bond. Yeah, I will say this movie is a lot more coherent than the nineteen sixty seven version. It it really is. It's at times rather faithful to the. I mean, the book is very basic. Mm-hmm. And so is the show. <laughs> yeah. They make some interesting choices in their adaptation. Uh, I mean, the first one obviously being James Bond is now an American and everyone else is not. Yeah, that was odd. I think yeah. that, that's because they showed it in America and they wanted the protagonist to be American, I guess. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Can't have one of those fancy Brits as the protagonist. No, we wouldn't want that. Uh,. Which is I, how we I got am... Clarence Leiter. Clarence Leiter. <laughs> <laughs> and as you were saying before we started recording, like, what's wrong? Felix is a perfectly acceptable name for a British person. Felix is Felix yeah. feels more British than American to me. Yeah. Like, I can think of several famous Clar- American Clarences. Uh, the only uh, Felix the Cat is is <laughs> is the only Felix I can think of. I mean. <laughs> Oh, man. But, like, Clarence Darrow, Clarence Thomas, you know, yeah. Clarence is an American name, yep. apparently for lawyers. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but Felix is absolutely a good British name. Why did they change it to Clarence? <laughs> I love, like, before the movie, we get a introduction by this. He's not Rod Serling, but he's kind of <laughs> performing the same role here. Mm-hmm. 
where he's, you know, holding the shoe and he's talking about what the shoe is for. And it, it's just very strange. Yeah, and I guess that's just how TV worked in the 50s. Yeah. Uh, if you were doing um, a vignette show, or like a, a show like this where it was a different thing every week, yeah, you had an introduction. And like, we still kind of have stuff like that. Like, yep. um, uh, the one that comes to my mind immediately is, uh, for instance, Masterpiece Theater. Yes. Yeah, where you introduce the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish they had kept the original commercials... Oh my god, that would have been amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, fun fact. uh, This movie, I read the IMDb trivia page, which was very long and mostly useless, but had a few good things. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This this was lost for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. Because back then, they didn't keep TV shows after they aired them. Uh, That's famously a problem with... uh, Doctor Who. There are several mm-hmm. episodes of Doctor Who that we no longer have the video for and only have the audio because people at home recorded them on tape recorders. So this was, you know, this was known to have happened. It was in history, but like there was no, there were no copies of it. As far as people were aware, it didn't even exist until a movie collector uh, called Jim Schoenberger, never heard of him, but okay. Uh, yeah. He found it in some cans of film and he, he thought it was the it was in the 80s that he found it and he thought it was the the 67 version until he saw that the film was black and white so he was like wait a second hmm. so yeah then when they did that then it was like it, it became a thing they screened it in the theaters and showed wow. it on TV and uh, released it as a special feature on one of the DVD versions of the 67 film I saw there was a DVD like a standalone DVD on the James Bond wiki page, wiki page so. Like, I, I looked ne- slightly hard. Like, not yeah. hard. I looked cursor to see if I could, you know, find it somewhere. But yeah. it certainly wasn't available for streaming any or, or digital purchase. Mm-mm. So, yes, we could have bought it on DVD, I suppose. But And I'm very curious about whether the quality of the DVD is similar to what we found on YouTube or not. I mean, there are... Probably. there are. Especially towards the end, there's some parts where it really goes wonky. Well, you can uh, tell it almost is like different films, different copies yeah. of the film spliced together. Yes, yeah, yeah uh, definitely. So it was a 16 millimeter kinescope is what they found. Mm-hmm. So I mean, a kinescope is where they put a camera up to basically point a camera at a TV screen. Yep. So we're think we're talking 1950s TV. Mm-hmm. I doubt there's a version that looks any better than what we saw on YouTube. That said, the version we saw on YouTube you needed some work. Uh, the audio was off by it was the audio was delayed by what I ended up dialing into about 650 milliseconds. Okay, so more uh, than half a second. All right. Yeah, I download. I I actually used one of those websites that like you know you give it the YouTube URL and it gives you a video file. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm like, oh, I can't watch this. The audio is out. So that, but and then you know, VLC lets you adjust that when you watch it. Yep. So I, yep. I did that, and yeah, I, I downloaded it in and finally got. It was very easy to do because <laughs> at the very beginning you've got the gunshots. So yes, I, I just had to sync that up. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we 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 start off with action right off the bat. Where so yeah, the audio isn't great, but also like there are things they could have done to this to just make it look better, even without having a better copy. For yeah. one, it needed much more contrast. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Like, I mean, the, the blackest blacks were still pretty darn gray. Pretty gray. This, this looks like a film that you found in a basement somewhere. Yeah, and it know. was, but yeah. they could have done something to it, even if they didn't have it. Like, I would like to see the digitally restored version of this. You'd think they'd, they'd want to do that for, like, a Bond box set or something. The first version of James Bond, but oh well. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know people who come to this knowing the Bond film series and all that stuff, especially if they grew up on the later films coming to this and what is this? Well, you have to imagine that's what most people who have seen this in the last 20 years or 30 or I guess, holy crap, 40 years since it's been discovered. It was Mm -hmm. discovered in 1981, which is 40 years ago. Ugh. (laughs) I mean, like I was saying, you know, 50s television was slightly, was a different beast and I, I'm not saying I'm going to sit down and watch this again anytime soon, but I enjoyed watching it. I don't know if I've ever, other than the Twilight Zone, which was started at the tail end of the 50s, I'm not even sure I've ever seen any other 50s television. What was the... I guess I Love yeah, Lucy I, was in the 50s. Well, I was, I was thinking of the Honeymooners, actually. Oh, yeah, the Honeymooners, and then the, I Love Lucy was also the 50s. So yeah. I've seen some 50s yeah. television. But, like, I Love Lucy didn't have Desi Arnaz introducing the episode at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think I've ever seen a full episode of the Honeymooners. Okay. I've seen clips of the Honeymooners. You know, one of these days, straight to the moon and all that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Which, you know, yeah, because domestic violence is funny. It uh, was back in the 50s, I guess, uh... <laughs> Yeah. So I guess I have... I don't think I've ever seen other 50s drama, I should say. Okay. I don't know. I, I've seen movies that are older. I mean, when, when was Gone with the Wind? Oh, that was the 30s, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That might... I've seen Gone with the Wind... Yeah, 1939. Uh, yeah, the the Errol Flynn Robin Hood is also from the 30s, I think. Mm-hmm. So I've seen older movies, and but that has a whole other thing, because that's, you know, production values and all that. This, right, I mean, yeah. this this was made on a budget of $25,000. It's not every day you watch something that, sh- that was cheaper to make than your house. Um... <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I mean, you live in D.C., so you probably do all the time, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it works, I guess. Mm-hmm. It tells a coherent story, unlike yeah. the 1967 film. They make some changes that are odd. But they do. Yeah. Yeah. Right off the bat, when Bond goes into the casino and somebody shoots at him and does a terrible job at shooting at him because they're clearly aiming for the tree to get the bullet effects on the tree. Oh, that's why I didn't buy the DVD. It's $75 on Amazon. Oh, no, thank you. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Yeah, that was the first thing that, like, shoots out, sticks out to me immediately. Like, you you see Bond walk up to the door, you see the gun in the foreground not pointing anywhere near him (laughs) yeah it's like what and then and the the sound effects are quite interesting yeah like that gun like it's supposed to be a gun it's not Mm -hmm. great but then even better is the noise of the car driving away or motorcycle whatever the assassin jumped in to get away because it it just sounds like somebody's doing a zipper Piece, but I wouldn't know how. Now I'm I'm almost imagining that this is being done like a radio drama. Yes. Where there's like some foley guy off camera mm-hmm. making that noise live. That's what it sounds like. Maybe this was also broadcast as a radio drama. 
it it could have been. I mean, in the fifties, it wouldn't shock me if a lot of mm -mm. TV dramas were. I am going to look up the history of climax now, which I should have done a while ago. There isn't a lot in here that you need the visuals for. Right. There's a couple shots here and there, and we'll get to. But other than that, like there were times when I was preoccupied with something and had this on in the background, and I could I could follow it. Oh yeah, same. Other than one part, which we'll get we'll get to. <laughs> uh. Okay, so here's a sad thing: the show was broadcast in color, but we don't have that because no one had a home color kinescope. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so this was a color. This, color program. This, yeah, according to I'm oh, reading about okay. it on Wikipedia now. This was we no longer have the color information, but this was originally broadcasting color. Mm. 1950s uh, color is older than I thought it was because like, you always hear you know people talk about how Star Trek was made to sell color TVs. Yep, and that was you know over ten years later. According to uh, Wikipedia, where all things are accurate. Oh yeah, the first practical demonstration of color television was in 1928. Right, but it's not but like... But then, in, in 1944, the first demonstration of a practical, fully electronic color television display. Yeah. The NTSC color standard was claimed in 1953. So this is one of the first colored, color okay, broadcasts. Yeah, because yeah, the, the, the original color from the 20s didn't actually go anywhere because it was a completely different standard. It, it required mm -hmm. different equipment and wasn't backwards compatible. I, I watched a a whole documentary about TV at one point. It's fascinating how what they how they did it to like make sure that color TV would still show up just fine on black and white TVs because yeah. obviously if they yeah. just broadcast in color that would then TV stations would have to broadcast two signals. And I imagine I mean you know you have to think about how you have to it has to be in colors that would then translate to black and white. Yeah. Too, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to worry about contrast and, and all that sort of stuff. It's almost like those colorblind tests. Yeah, where... and I'm sure as time went on, they stopped caring as much about that. Yeah, yeah of course. But yeah, uh, first, but, but yeah, first the... national sorry, first national color broadcast was the 1954 Tournament of Roses Parade on January 1st. Yeah, so I remember. I know. So, so you grew up in the western in Western PA. So I don't know. You may not have ever gone to the Pennsylvania State Museum in Harrisburg. No, I never did. Okay, uh, but I remember when I was a kid in the State Museum because we used to go all the time. Um, mm -hmm. It they had a whole section on TV. I'm not sure mm -hmm. why. I, I there must have been something to do with Pennsylvania for TV. But anyway, it included a like looping video of Walt Disney introducing color on ABC for the first time. Okay. Yeah, it's not actually all that relevant. Um, I'm just <laughs> remembering this. Well, it, it, so there is a line on this page that says, early color telecasts could only preserve, be preserved on the black and white kinescope process introduced in 1947. It was not right. until September of 1956 that NBC began using color film to time delay and preserve some live color telecasts. Yep. So even if, even if this hadn't been some film that was stashed in a basement and discovered in the 80s, there would never have been a color. Right, and that's the fascinating thing yeah. is that for so many years it, TV like not only did they not keep recordings they literally didn't have recordings of it Tele television cameras would go straight from the recording to the broadcast uh huh 
because it would yeah. it used completely different technology and you couldn't take that fi- you couldn't take a television uh television signal and put it on film it was nope. something else entirely and that's why they had the kinescope so that's like that's the that's one of the fascinating things about how how this worked is that for so many of these programs it's not even that they didn't keep the recordings they never had the recording to begin with Mm-hmm. Which is I, I, just for, weird to think about in today's digital age, where everything is, you know, a file. For whatever reason, I'm I'm thinking about that Calvin and Hobbes strip when uh, Calvin yeah, asks his dad about yeah. black and white color. <laughs> <laughs> when his dad's like, "No, the whole world, everything was black and white until it turned into color," and then and it was pretty grainy. It was pretty grainy, and then he's, "Well, why are photographs in black and white?" He's like, "Because they're color photographs of black and white." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but that's just that is so weird to think about that they were broadcasting color before they had the ability to, to record, record color yeah yeah that that's gonna have me wide awake tonight yep. just thinking about that <laughs> i wonder honestly i wonder if that has something to do with why the blacks are so bad ah uh, that might be but they would have but also, again, remember in 1954 they would have they would have made sure that everything looked good in black and white. True, that's true. Because the vast majority of people watching it were watching on black and white TVs. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I I want to say it wasn't until the 70s that color started overtaking black and yeah, white. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Because they were really expensive when they first yep. came out, and plus, like a lot of people had just bought. I mean, again, it's crazy to think about today in in the age where you know you can just go to Walmart and get a $50 TV, but <laughs> not a good one, but you can. Yeah. Uh, but like a TV was a huge purchase. I'm thinking, you know, remember, uh, um, remember back to the future? No yep. one has two TVs. You must be rich. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, so when color TV came out, like a lot of people already had their living room TV that cost them, you know, however many months or years of a salary. Yeah. So they weren't going to buy another one. Well, and then to your point also about, you know, they didn't archive any of this stuff, you know, the line in later in the, in the same movie when he's like, what's a rerun? Like the concept that they would ever show another TV episode a second time. Yeah. No. One and done. It's just fascinating. We, there's so many early TV programs that we, that, well, aliens on Alpha Centauri can watch it, but we can't. You know, I wonder oh. if someday that might be a thing people do. Like once go we to have... Alpha Centauri. <laughs> well, sure, but like once we have like space travel, it's like if there's like going to be like an archive project out there to catch old TV recordings in space. Well, if they're going the speed of light, I don't. Well, they would have to go fast. Well, no, TV <laughs> TV doesn't go at the speed of light. It's slower than the speed. That's of light. true. It is. It is slow. Well, it's a radio broadcast. Or a... Right. That's that's light. Radio isn't the speed of light. Radio is slower than the speed of light, isn't it? No. Is it? Yeah, I think. Well, if we have warp drive. Okay. Radio waves travel at the speed of light. You are correct. Ah. Okay. So, I want to watch that Star Trek show. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, the, the anthropologists that are, ch- that are record, that are going out to whatever port in space is receiving the old television broadcasts and, you know what, and recording them for posterity. Well, isn't that Galaxy Quest? 
indeed. So I want to point anyway, out this show that we watched. Yeah. So I, one one last <laughs> la, last little bit of <laughs> trivia here. Uh, the, the the show climax mm-hmm. exclamation point climax uh, climax. <laughs> so this is the third episode of climax, and it went. For a total of 165 episodes. That's a lot of climaxes. Which is a lot. That's a lot of climax. Yeah. <laughs> which, for a show I've not really heard of before. Well, I imagine most episodes are no longer available. Like no, I wouldn't. The fact think that so. they found this one was sheer luck. I imagine there's probably only a handful of other episodes that you even could watch if you wanted to. Well, one of them was an adaptation of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, which I don't know how you do that in an hour. Uh, the second, the episode that followed that up was called Public Pigeon Number One. So there was a lot of climax going they on. They did a shows. version of a, of a farewell to arms, written by Gore Vidal. Wow, <laughs> that's that's quite something. Yeah. And the fact that there is no other information on it leads me to believe this is one of the ones that they no longer have. (laughs) (laughs) Because if this still existed, there would be all sorts of reviews of it, I guarantee it. So, weirdly, (laughs) you know how Wikipedia likes to have random, like, here are groups of things at the bottom of the page. Yep. Right? So, the only one that exists for Climax is one on Gore Vidal. (laughs) Did Gorvidal write a bunch of climax episodes? I, I don't know. I don't know. He has teleplays for the Telltale Clue, Danger, Climax, Suspension, or I'm sorry, Suspense, The Best of Broadway, Goodyear Television Playhouse, NBC Matinee Theater. Gorvidal wrote a lot of crap, <laughs> uh, or stuff that has been lost to time. Why not both? Yeah, why not both? Got to earn a living. We've gone way off the beaten path here. Right. Anyway, oh, by the way, I don't think we're ever going to be able to watch James Bond Jr. Oh, too bad. It is not available for streaming or purchase on DVD, and I try, I, I checked out a torrent, but it says it'll take 63 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I was... Like, re- is, well, is, each, is each bit being sent on Pony Express or something? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's actually downloading, but it's like it, it, it's downloading so slow it doesn't even register. It just says zero point zero kilobytes per second. Wow. Um, okay. But no, I was reading the description of it on Wikipedia, yep. and like it is wild. <laughs> well, attending prep school, James Bond Jr. with the help of his friends IQ, the grandson of Q, and Gordo Lighter, the son of Felix Lighter. Gordo. <laughs> Fighting against the evil terrorist organization scum. Saboteurs, <laughs> criminals united in mayhem. <laughs> Is this a Canadian thing? Because the name Gordo just sounds very Canadian. Um, it's produced by United <laughs> Artists. Uh, country of origin, U.S. Okay. <laughs> I guess it would be Gord. It wouldn't be Gordo. But The only other uh, Gordo I can think of is the guy on uh, For All Mankind. Well, Gordo Cooper, the actual astronaut. He's presumably based on. I get, well, sort of, yeah. Like, they have real people, but none of them are the main characters. No. Well, Gord, yeah. That Gordo is not the same Gordo as... Right. Anyway, this thing that we're watching. I don't know what to say about it in a lot of ways. (laughs) I mean, it's it's very stagey. Mm -hmm. Like, I love how 
he meets Clarence Leiter. Yes. And then they spend this scene that's essentially Baccarat 101 for the audience. Right, because the average American audience is not going to know what Baccarat is. No. It's also weird to me, just having watched all of the Bond films a lot, it, you know, they play the game in English. Yes. Yeah, except Bonko and Sweevy. Bonko and Sweevy, yeah. <laughs> Which would have been weirder if those were also in English. But... It would have... I don't even know if Sweevy's a word. It's something. I'm sure it is. It but... is. I should know. But, I mean, so this is an hour TV episode, so broken up into three parts, and they just spend like the pacing it's, of this. Yeah, is... it's to follow. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Oh, to follow Sweetie. Okay. Yeah. You know, so he, yeah, he sits at he sits at this table, and we get both a massive info dump about well about Baccarat, and then also about the plot, which is similar to the book. Uh, it sounds seems as though Lashif has been betting with. Money that he doesn't have, that isn't his, and you know he's in trouble and he's trying to win all his money back at this baccarat game. Yep. Which again, you know, we mentioned I think during multiple times, this doesn't seem like the kind of game that you would do this with because it seems it's so much based on, based luck. on luck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <sighs> I mean, it, honestly, it made a lot more sense in the the 2006 film when they turned it into Texas Hold'em because Texas Hold'em does take skill. Right. Baccarat, not so much. Even in the original novel, Bond admits that he's just really lucky. I think he does in, this, in the show here, too. At some point, he mentions that he's lucky. But yeah, we get this long scene with with Lighter and Bond. Um, and then we meet Ms. Mathis, who is a weird combination of Vesper Lind and Rene Mathis from the story. And we immediately find out that she's working for Le Chiffre, too, which is yes. a departure. Well, she's his girlfriend, apparently. I guess, yeah. Yeah. But she's also apparently working for the French. Well, we don't know that yet. Right, well. Because you get that great line later on where he's like, why didn't you tell me you were working for the French? Mm -hmm. They have clearly have a history, because it is Bond, after all, in some way. Yes. Uh, and also, it's important to note that Bond, the first drink that James Bond ever has on screen is bourbon. Bourbon and water. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he gets them separate. He asks for bourbon and a water. I hope so, because otherwise, yeah. what? Like, yeah. a little... Like, I've heard of, like, putting a little... Like, a couple drops of water in to, like... If you have, like, a Booker's the... or something. Yeah. That's, like, 120 proof or something Well, crazy. no, no, even... Uh, not. I'm not talking about diluting it. I'm talking about, um, oh. like, with really fine whiskey, you sometimes would put a couple drops in to sort of, like, open up the flavors or something like that. Okay. They taught me that when I went to the Whiskey Heritage Center in Edinburgh. Okay. <laughs> but it's definitely it's definitely bourbon here. Uh mm -hmm. but then but there's also like it is a thing cuz some sometimes people will talk will order bourbon and branch water which really yes. just means bourbon and water. Mm -hmm. Branch water is is used to distinguish it from soda water or seltzer water. So it's still water basically. Yes. Yeah. Which I believe is what Bond orders in on Her Majesty's Secret Service when he's posing as the Yes. The guy, um, the Herald guy. I will say the first time I ever like, you know, if you're if you when you, if you go to England like that, if you look for bottled water, it's about half and half still water and fizzy water. Mm -hmm. And yep. the first time I accidentally drank a fizzy water instead of a still water was a bit I. <laughs> so you did a Ted Lasso. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I didn't quite re react that way, but yes. Okay. <laughs> 
Man, that show was so good. It was. I just finished rewatching it. Yeah. Uh, my only complaint, there's the episode where he's building that double-decker bus with his son, the Lego set. Mm-hmm. And they clearly took the... Uh, took. I have that Lego set. They clearly <laughs> took it, took a bunch of pieces off, and then to pretend like he's building it, because it is not being built in the... Like, there's a section missing <laughs> that would not be how it would be done if if built following the instructions. That is such an on-brand comment about that. I'm just saying. It was clearly... Yeah. They clearly took an already assembled set and, and pulled some pieces off it. This, Let's so, talk about this thing yeah, we so the, so this, <laughs> this scene with, with Mathis and Bond up in the hotel room... Mm-hmm. Should should again point out this is Ms. Mathis, for those of you who haven't been paying attention. There's for some the record, really you can go watch this. It's on YouTube. That's how yeah. we watched it. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in the show notes if we have show notes. A lot of this dialogue made me think I was watching a bad Humphrey Bogart movie. Yes. Uh, like the, there's a line when he kisses her and then says that that was for old time's sake. This is for now. And he kisses her again. It's it, like, really? <laughs> you mentioned it feels like a stage play, and I think that is absolutely true. I think yeah. that's probably, like... And I think the reason for that is that at this point in... Like, TV hadn't been around that long. I'm no. guessing there wasn't much of a difference between television and stage play yet. No, and again, like, I, I do think that this is a radio drama with picture. Mm-hmm. And there, you know... Which also really... makes sense, because that's how the indus- where the industry would have come from. Sure, yeah. And they, they do things that you would never do today where he knows the room is bugged and he's going to, he turns up the radio or play mm-hmm. or the, the record player. Mm-hmm. But then it's hard to hear the rest of the dialogue because the record player or whatever is playing so loudly. Well, today where, they would like write on the Today they would dial it down. Yeah. Like they would make their point or they would cut, they, there's cuts back to Lashif and his room listening in where they would just hear you know, the the music, but then they would dial up the dialogue or dial down the the music. Mm-hmm. But they don't do that, which makes it really hard to hear what they're saying. Like, you can even hear the music still playing loudly when they're in the hall. Yeah, which is probably more realistic, but yeah. still, it, also, it makes it... I want to point yeah. out, when they're in the hall, like, I love the elevator set. Where the uh-huh. guy in the elevator is clearly opening these sliding doors yes. manually. Yep. <laughs> yep. And the doors sound like if you ever watch a Star Trek episode before they've done the dubbing. Right. Well, that's basically it, what it is. Yeah, it's just some guy opening a door. Yeah. I love it. Also, why is the elevator like four feet higher than his room? That is a yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I guess I've seen some hotels that are like that, the older ones, but... Well, this is older. <laughs> this is older. And then we have the the incredibly, like, oh, well, we bugged your room, and I had doubts, but now I don't. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot of uh, spoken inner monologue in this, in this <laughs> show. Yeah, a little bit. There's a really funny moment at the end with Lashif when... Uh, it's after Bond has beaten up the guy, and, and Lashiva's like, wait, what's going on? What happened? Or something like that, and he gets up and opens the door. Yeah. And Bond gets Everything his... about Lashiva is weird. Well, it's Peter Lorre. Yeah. I mean, 
who I think would have made a good Bond villain in some way. Sure. Um, I don't know how many more movies he made after this. He continued acting until 1964, according to Oh, IMDb. wow, okay. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to see if any of these are movies, though. Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't technically a movie. Yeah, no, he was, his last uh, acting credit is a Jerry Lewis movie called The Patsy. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, he died young. He died in 64 at 59. I mean, I know him probably best from Casablanca. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which I have seen. <laughs> he does a little bit of that in this movie. Yeah. Bond gets this weird phone call from a friend that is threatening him with, you know, you if you lose the girl dies kind of yeah. thing, which doesn't really phase him. No, like, that's a, like, yeah, that's odd. Yeah. And then we get what seems like a really long scene at the card table. Yeah, we have Bond. Bond loses almost, a lot. Yeah, we have Bond basically almost completely out until he manages to come back. Yeah. Well, because in the book, if I remember right, because you've read it more recently than me, he actually loses his money and then Felix Leiter stakes him. Yep. Yeah, just like happens in the movie. Yeah, but that doesn't happen here because Clarence Leiter is not involved uh, in, in the same Leiter way. is barely involved at all. Like, I feel like he should be involved more. We'll get to a part later where I really think he's supposed to come back and he doesn't. <laughs> oh, the, the code word? Yeah, that sounds like a code word. Was it yeah. not? <laughs> I'm like, what shirt? Because he says because he, he says over the phone, I'm sorry I lost your shirt. I'm like, what? What? Yeah, I'm assuming that, that was mean? him, like, trying to, like, you know, blink once if you're under duress sort of thing. Yeah. But Clarence doesn't show back up, like, with, you know, the cavalry or anything, so no. maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just a weird thing to say. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, because then, and then later says something like, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, we do get Chekhov's razor blade here. Yes. And we'll get it again. In a very um, deliberately shot thing that he has a razor blade in his cigarette case. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, when Leiter specifically says all the places he keeps this razor blade, I go, well, I'm sure that's never going to come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Then, yeah, eventually Bond wins. And gets the all the money. And the guy with the cane gun, which is straight from the book. Yep. And then Bond uh, Bond manages to get out of it and tells tells Leiter to put the gun in the in Scotland Yard's Black Museum, which right. is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. They, the the Scot Scotland Yard has a museum of crime, I think. I think mm -hmm. it's called, uh, yep. where they basically just have a bunch of stuff from famous criminals. So yeah, mm -hmm. that it's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's cool. weird that James Jimmy Bond, American agent, would like know or care about it, but it's a real thing. Well, he works for Combined Intelligence. So. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> so then. Mathis disappears, so we mm -hmm. so he Bond is sure that Lashif took her, which you know again we're back to the movie. Yep, or the the book, not the movie. They're not basing right. it on the movie that came out fifty years later. No, uh, <laughs> and uh, eventually Bond manages to. There's like a whole bunch of intrigue and weirdness. Well, isn't isn't this where he hides the check behind the? Plate he on the, the door behind the door plate, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, which hey, at least the door plate doesn't say James Bond. <laughs> Count Lippy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then and then Lashif shows up and is going to torture Bond. But first, we find out that Mathis is working for the French. Yep, which has that line. Why didn't you tell me you were with the French? Yeah, and I suppose they couldn't do the 
chair with no seat scene in 1950s. No, and and you know what? This actually works for me for a 19 mid mid 50s. Thing. I'm assuming he's breaking his toes. I feel like that's the implication, at least. Well, either he's breaking his toes or he's ripping out his toenails, and either way, it's it makes me cringe a little bit just thinking about it. I would not like either one to happen. No, it's true. No, I'm amused at before he go because he puts him in the bathtub to do this. Before that happens, there's like first of all, I love old time TV credit bumpers with the dramatic music as they fade to black or whatever. <laughs> yeah. My life depends upon finding that chick. So by the way does you it. And then as they come out of the commercial, Bond is on the ground and he's been beaten up. And Le Chief tells his guy, he says, because he's trying to get information about where he hid the check. And he said, at one point he says, hit him again, please, but only a little bit at a time. <laughs> Just is such a weird line. Yeah. I'll also say the fighting in this show is pretty poor. <laughs> yeah, well, we come back to that $25,000 production value. <laughs> there, there, yes. Even in 1954, that wasn't a lot of money. But yeah, I mean, the scene with Lashif, he gets the pliers out and he's threatening Bond with them. And he's clearly doing something to Bond because he screams a couple times. Mm -hmm. I, I do, I, again, we mentioned this when we talked about 1967, that joke with the chair needing a reupholstering. Mm -hmm. Which... Is probably one of my favorite jokes in the movie. I love uh, that. Yeah, the, yeah. They just randomly set that up for people who have read the book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So eventually, Bond manages to escape and convinces and begs for a glass of water. So the goon goes in and Bond incapacitates him, mm -hmm. and then like Lashif is just like playing this very oddly. Yeah, he's just like. What's going on? What's going on in there? He's all calm and collected. He just walks in and gets shot. Yep. And then walks back out, Bond holding the gun on him, and Bond says, sit down. And he's just like, all right. Like, <laughs> what, what is happening here? <laughs> Bond is, seems more injured at this point. Also, it's like really hard for This is so much harder for me to like follow along when scrubbing through it because I don't have subtitles like I normally do. Right. <laughs> And then we get the concealed razor blade again. Ah, of course. Check off that the razor blade, yeah. I, I can't quite figure out what he's doing. Like, he's twirling the razor blade in his fingers. Like, I think at one point he's holding the dull edge to her neck, which isn't how razor blades work, but... Maybe it's a double-edged you know. razor blade. It could be a safety razor. I or... don't think it was. This is also where the uh, the picture gets really bad. Yeah, so it's actually so really hard to it's tell. It's kind of hard to tell, yeah. It's that we suddenly go from not enough contrast to way too much. Way too contrast. much contrast, yeah. <laughs> and, I can't. But, it might be a safety razor. I, I think it is a safety razor, like a single edge safety razor. Single edge? No, that's all I'm saying. It might be a double edge safety razor. Oh, uh, I don't know. Who uses a single edge safety razor? I don't know. Anyway, there was like a couple year period where I was like super into using a safety razor because you know all the cool people were doing it. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that. I was really only only kidding myself that it was a better shave than, you know, the 27 blade or whatever they are they have these days. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then... And then we sort of just end. End, yeah. With a reminder about the 42nd National Safety <laughs> Congress. Well, yeah. So I do enjoy that there was a, apparently this long rumored thing where you could see Peter Lorre get up and walk away and then they're like, However, when the film was on Earth, they found out this wasn't true. 
Like, <laughs> how does that happen? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but yeah, the, the host guy comes back <laughs> and, you know, introduces... Well, first of all, he just launches into, like, next time on Climax. <laughs> but, but yeah, the 42nd National Safety Conference. Yeah, and this is true. I'm looking at this here. The first one was held in 1912, so yeah, it would have been the 42nd. <laughs> and the closing lines are, help too by being careful. <laughs> what? Like, that's why I wish there had been the commercials, because oh, you know yeah, it's going to be, like, amazing. sponsored by some, like, it was washing Chrysler, machine soap actually. or something. <laughs> it was sponsored by Chrysler, according to IMDb. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> there isn't a lot here. But again, it wasn't bad. The National Safety Council Congress and Expo still happens annually and it attracts 15,000 safety and health professionals. Wow. Okay. Probably didn't happen last year. Mm, I think they were being safe. <laughs> I would hope so. They were helping too by being careful. <laughs> yeah. Now for some reason it wants me to play Star Trek 4. <laughs> On YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> like the whole movie? Yep. Oh, that's right. You can rent movies on YouTube. Yep. I think you probably have it and don't need to I, I, I do own it. I, I own many, many copies. And it's actually playing. Oh, the Stargate movie is free with ads, too. Anyway. Oh, free with ad movies on YouTube. Ew. Yeah. I don't want to... What is, it, what is this, television? Yeah, I went to streaming... One of the big reasons I went to streaming is to avoid the commercial breaks. Like, mm -hmm. that's why, like, I know people that pay for, like, the... Ad, like... Like, I, I made a comment once about how, like, I, I like Hulu because I'd rather watch a TV show on Hulu than uh, Hulu the next day than on TV because there's no ads. I'm like, well, there's ads on Hulu. Like, well, yeah, if you pay for the version with ads. Yeah, I will pay $5 more to not have ads. Right, the same with uh, same with Paramount Plus and um, Peacock, the NBC thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that one's actually, like, most of the stuff on there is available for free if you don't pay for it. I will gladly... Well, obviously it's bit free. Extra for you don't ad. pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> you knew what I meant. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch Columbo with ads. No, no, you don't. <laughs> I would only watch Columbo with ads if they could be contemporary. The ads. original ads. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. That would be amusing. Heck, I would watch original Star Trek with ads if they were the '60s ads. Yeah, there's like YouTube channels that do nothing but play vintage ads. Like that's a thing. Well, I remember recently finding something on VHS tape at my parents and watching it, and then getting the Chicken Tonight song stuck in my head because that I was one. Feel of like Chicken Tonight, Chicken Tonight. <laughs> oh, no, stop! <laughs> do they still make that? I don't know. <laughs> I have not. I, feel like I have not thought or heard that song in like twenty years. But as soon as you said that, it popped into my head. <laughs> I know, right? Definitely one of the best. Or most effective jingles of all time. <laughs> yes, they still make chicken tonight. <laughs> well, that's a relief. Oh, okay, they don't make it in the U.S. anymore. <laughs> it's still sold my, in I Australia, New Zealand, tonight. the Netherlands, and the U.K., but it met with limited success in America. <laughs> I don't think I ever, we ever had chicken tonight. I just remember the commercials. <laughs> I feel like chicken tonight. Chicken tonight. Well, now that's going to be me, Calvin, laying in bed at three in the morning with humming the chicken tonight jingle. So that's awesome. <laughs> hey, you you brought it. You 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 put it in my head too. So. I I did. That's true. 
So now we, I, I guess we've exhausted all Casino Royale adaptations now at this point. Yes. Although there is one more officially licensed James Bond franchise we have not watched. James Bond Jr. the cartoon. Yeah. And in 63 years we can watch it. <laughs> oh no, it's down to 16 years. Oh. <laughs> you might have it by tomorrow. Who knows? At this rate. <laughs> yeah, God, who knows? I mean, yeah, cut, it is not you available. Forty something years off of your. The only way know. to find buy there's like a couple episodes on VHS on Amazon, but that's like oh, the geez. only way to buy it, as far as I can see. I feel like that came on around the same time as the Back to the Future cartoon. Probably, I don't. It was in the nineties. Yeah, I never saw the Back to the Future cartoon either. It's not great. <laughs> it's it's Jules and Vern the kids. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's not like the 80s where they're doing kids' cartoons of R-rated movies like Robocop and Alien. True. The Adventures of James Bond Jr. at 003 and a half. <laughs> 65 episodes. Yeah. One of my, like, the wildest things reading this Wikipedia article yep. are, it's talking about the various villains that show up, and uh, the only other villain to appear from the films is Dr. No, who is depicted as being Asian and having green skin. A common practice at the time in children's me media whenever Asian villains are showcased. What? <laughs> and I just looked at this I, I, I have like, never known that that was a thing. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what, what is this on the Wikipedia page? <laughs> They cite examples. Ming the Merciless in Defenders of Earth and uh, the Mandarin in the 90s Iron Man TV series were apparently also green. <laughs> what? <laughs> now I want Iron Man 3 to be Green Ben Kingsley. Uh, no, the, wait, the Mandarin. Yeah, that was the Mandarin. One of 007's most fiendish opponents, the animated version, differs a lot from the film Dr. Knows. He has green skin and cybernetic hands. He had, well, I guess they weren't cybernetic hands. Likely as a result of his defeat at the hands of 007 in the original movie. I don't think getting boiled alive turns your skin green. <laughs> but I just love this. A common practice at the time from Asian villains. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> No. <laughs> no. Several episode titles parodied films such as Live and Let's Dance and Rubies Aren't Forever. Wow. <laughs> like I said, this thing is wild based on the description. I mean, I'm sure it's terrible, but yeah, <laughs> I need to know. And someday I'll... Dr. Derange? Oh, so apparently... Skullcap. Um... Jaws, a recurring villain from the films, made regular appearances, usually partnered with Knickknack, forming a bickering <laughs> comical duo. <laughs> I guess they couldn't get Winton kids, so they decided the next best thing, since it was a kids movie or kids show. I don't know. Goldfinger also appears alongside Oddjob. It's revealed that Goldfinger has a teenage daughter named Goldie Finger. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, ooh, the worm, the only recurring villain in the series not to be associated with scum. The worm is a first-rate terrorist and hypochondriac with an intense dislike of sunlight, saying, making like... most of his plans taking place deep underground. 
We need to watch this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Tiara Hotstones. Misfortune. Yeah. Along with her crooked and deeply unpleasant butler, Snuffer. <laughs> yeah. It says, Snuffer ends every sentence with ma'am unless he's ordered by misfortune to wait on her male scum allies, in which he will end the sentence with sir. <laughs> <laughs> Maximilian Cortex, a diminutive villain with a very large brain, and he has his assistant's left brain and right brain. Of course he does. <laughs> Most of the worms plan to take place deep underground. <laughs> this is amazing. Anyone can find this show, please let us know where we can watch it. In some way other than a torrent that will take literal years to download. Yep. Oh, here we go. Another one. Walker D. Plank. A stereotypical <laughs> pirate, complete with hook, hand, eye patch, wooden leg, and a talking parrot that also has an eye patch and peg leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! We have to watch this show! How did I never watch this when it was on? It ran from September 91 to March 92. It had 65 episodes in six months? Well, I wonder if it's one of those, like, um, you know, the, the real Ghostbusters had, like, 15-minute episodes. Hmm. Like, you got two episodes in a half-an-hour show. Oh, that might be. Walker D. Plank has two sidekicks named Bilge and Pump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> Baron Von Skeren. Yep. He's cruel, but never neglects his elegant appearance. <laughs> he is often seen reported directly to Scumlord. Wait, Scumlord? Oh my god, Scumlord! Yep. The mysterious leader of Scum, never seen outside of the shadows. Of course he isn't. Yep. Scumlord is a dog is a named Scuzzball. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this looks amazing. Ah, created by Michael G. Wilson. There's a whole <sighs> line of toys. Well, I remember the toys, but yeah, there has only ever been. Uh... Oh, there have been. There were novelizations. Yep. There were only the only home here release has been VHS, and yeah. it wasn't. It was only. It was only a couple of the episodes too. Uh, that's a pity. Well, this torrent is supposedly all sixty-five episodes if it ever downloads. Well, if we ever find this, we'll absolutely watch it. I don't know if we need to watch all sixty-five. No, 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 no. But we need to get a. We at least need to check this out, because this yeah. is insane. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I guess it's par for the course for children's TV. Pretty much, yeah. Gordo later. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Californian. Californian Gordo. Tan, blonde, athletic, strong fist of the group. Californian Gordo is also kindly and amiable. Californian Gordo. Sure. Trevor Trevor Noseworthy the Fourth, who's the who's Bond's you know antagonist at school. That's because apparently, yeah, what I, what it says here, like the Bond only ever goes on an adventure with one or two people, and the other people are in the B plot, usually having to foil one of Trevor's evil plans. <laughs> if it has A and B stories, it surely can't be. No, they're half-hour episodes. Oh, okay. So they're wow. So they had sixty-five full-length episodes in six months. Yeah. Wow. I guess every week. Well, it, 
No. Twice a week. Dang. Well done, James Bond Jr. Yeah, and I love it's yeah, it was made by I'm I'm surprised again, this is the sort of thing that is like why is MGM not releasing this on DVD? Because they know people will buy it. The same with that with the Casino Royale from fifty from fifty four. They know there's a whole bunch of Bond collectors that would pay money for this stuff. Why is the only way to watch this some torrent that may or may not actually download and the only way to watch Casino Royale YouTube. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I couldn't... I have no answer for that. But I guess in in the absence of this torrent coming through... Uh, I'm sure there's some on YouTube. Yeah. So I think next week... We're not watching we're gonna, James Bond Jr. next week. No. We are going to go back to our foray into James Bond parody. Uh, we are going to explore the franchise of the Johnny English films... Yes. Starring Rowan Atkinson. The tagline from the first Johnny English movie, according to Wikipedia, he knows no fear, he knows no danger, he knows nothing. I thought the tagline was Bean Meets Bond. Oh, maybe. Well, yeah, I think that was <laughs> no, also one of the taglines. And, and, and you, maybe you knew this already. I didn't know this until I just read it. This was written by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. I did know that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't heard from them in a few weeks. <laughs> You mean Neil Purvis and Robert Wade didn't write any of the Austin Powers movies? Actually, no, they didn't. <laughs> it seems like it, but no. You'd think they might have worked on Spy Hard. Yeah, it was too... I think they're better than Spy Hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen the first Johnny English. I remember I saw that one in the theater. Uh, I was in high school, actually, which tells you how long it's been since that movie came out. I, I think I saw this once, so and it's been a while. Uh, I remember Johnny English 2 I've seen once, and it was on an airplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, back before, you know, people watched their own things on airplanes, and you looked at the little, tiny little screen on the back of the seat. Yep. This is the projection into the middle of the cabin? Yeah, like... Yeah. No, 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 they have the, the little screens on the back of each seat. Oh, the little, oh, okay, oh, okay, yeah. You're thinking of buses. Old-timey, yeah. old-timey planes, yeah. Yeah, I was not flying an old-timey plane. No, it was like, oh, okay. this was like 2012 or something. Because ah. uh, that's when it came out, I think. Uh, 2011, yeah. 2012, somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I remember I watched that on an airplane. I remember it not being very good, but I do remember that uh, McNulty from The Wire's in it. Yeah, it, so the second one came out in 2011. The first one came out in 2003. Right. That's a long gap. Yes. And then the the third was one 2018. Was, was 2018. Yeah. yeah. So there's, yeah, there, the next one is probably coming out in another 10 years. The the occasional franchise, Johnny English. Yeah, because 2000, yeah, because yeah, I was in, like I said, I was in high school when the first one came out. So yeah, yeah that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I I also saw the third one in the theater. I remember that too. I was okay. like, there were like two other people in the theater, and it was a Saturday night, so I don't think it did very well. <laughs> <laughs> so that's in three weeks. But yeah. yep, I don't know. Like, well, we'll talk about it more when we get to. Yep, we will. Well, in this case, we've the... talked about plenty that is not Casino Royale. We, so we, we have probably yes. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think. I think so. Uh, <laughs> You know, and, and when License to Spiel returns, we'll talk about Johnny English. Incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, delegates from all over the world are now meeting in Chicago with the 42nd National Safety Congress. 
We salute the Congress and its accident prevention work. And I'd like to ask each one of you to help, too, by being careful. And now until next Thursday and Lendonier, this is William Lundigan saying good night and thank you. Around the world.